For this episode, we would like to give a trigger warning for gender-based violence, abuse, assault, stealthing, and unconsensual sex. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast collaboration between the Noisy Movement and Period Poverty U of E. So this podcast is a collaboration for the 16 Days of Activism Combating Gender-Based Violence. I'm one of your hosts, Jocelyn. I'm the president of the Noisy Movement, and we created this podcast in order to amplify the voices of all of the phenomenal work being done currently in Edinburgh to combat gender-based violence. So we've collected a wide variety of different activist group ar- activist groups around the city, and we're so happy to introduce you to all of them. So today, I'm delighted to be joined by CERT Scotland, and I have Rebecca and Kate with me in the studio today. Um, yeah, if, if the two of you would like to quickly introduce yourselves, what you do at CERT, um, how you got involved, and then we can start talking about all the wonderful work you do. Um, Rebecca, would you like to start? Fabulous, thank you. And thank you for having us here today. We're so excited. Um, So yeah, I'm Rebecca. I am president of CERT this year. Um, And I got involved about this time last year um, because my year abroad got cancelled and I was heartbroken. So I thought I really need to do something that's going to kind of give me some kind of purpose this year. And joined the Stealthing Research Team, which was one of the most rewarding experiences. Met some fantastic people and... I'm really proud of the work we've done, kind of research around stealthing as well, um, and like looking to carry that forwards now that we're kind of um, kind of running ourselves. Amazing. Um, and Kate, would you like to give a quick description of what you do at CERT? Yeah, so I'm the vice president of CERT this year, and similar to Rebecca, I joined um, last year as a researcher within the stealthing team. Um, I also like Rebecca, I really enjoyed that project and wanted to continue being involved in CERT. Um, and now as vice president, we kind of oversee all of the other research projects, which is really interesting. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited as well for the stealthing campaign. Um, so yeah, so it's been a really enjoyable experience being a part of CERT. Amazing. Um, so I just wanted to get started by asking about how CERT came into being. I mean, I know the both of you only joined last year, mm-hmm. but prior to that and how exactly the founders came about it um, and then how it also connects to the University of Edinburgh and mm-hmm. the city as a whole. Yeah, of course. So CERT started in semester one of 2018 um, and it was originally kind of a project out of Buchanan. So Buchanan are this um, student-led think tank and they were doing a project on contraception. Um, but I think the researchers found that there was so much more they wanted to talk about than within they could within the scope of the project. And so that was born. Um, and it's just a place kind of where we as contraceptive users can, can be a part of the conversations around contraception and be a part of that research because we feel there's a lot of um, grumbling, a lot of discontent with contraception and no kind of solutions or changes um, like thinking about the fact that there's been more iPhones in the last like 15 years and there have been contraceptive options in the last 50. And so we really wanted to kind of push contraception as an issue to the forefront of um, kind of discourse. Yeah, fascinating. Um, so is it linked to the university or 
um, now, like the way that you work, are you a student uh, society or social enterprise, just so people get more of an idea of what you do? Do you want to answer that, Kate? Yeah, um, so we are separate to um, USA. We're not a USA society, um, but we are still linked to the Buchanan Society, which is um, a USA affiliated society. Um, so whilst both myself and Rebecca are students at the University of Edinburgh, we have um, people within CERT that are not students or students, but at a different university. So we have a real scope of um, degrees and um, people in different career paths. Um, so we are based in Edinburgh, but currently we have um, research projects and research are kind of it's remote projects. So they're based around the world, um, which is really nice because then we get kind of lots of views of different opinions, um, which, yeah, just adds to the projects. Yeah. Amazing. OK, so it's. It's quite a large organization um, and including a bunch of different people and their perspectives. Um, so these projects you were talking about, mm-hmm. do you want to quickly like maybe outline a couple of them and we can deep dive into, I know that um, the both of you were working on the stealthing project, but maybe if there are a couple of other ones you mm-hmm. wanted to, to signpost? Yeah, of course. So I think one of the other um, ones we we're really proud of last year was the consent classes. So this was a research project looking at the viability of implementing consent classes at the University of Edinburgh, um, looking at kind of um, examples of where they've been used in other universities like St Andrews um, and kind of getting students' feelings for how, how they would feel about, about being part of them. And actually, as a result of that, the consent classes have been introduced this year. Um, they're currently on a three-year pilot online, but the hope is that this will kind of transition into a physical um, workshop or group of workshops um, in the coming years, um, which is really, really exciting. I'm not sure if you had anything else, Kate, like any other projects? Yeah, well, I'm really excited about our current research projects. So we have three um, social science and three biomed projects. Um, So, for example, some of the things we're looking at this year are um, research into emergency contraception use and um, the effects of contraception on mental health. Um, So I'm really excited about those findings and kind of bringing forward those policy recommendations in the future. Completely. I think also one of the ones we're doing this year is looking at queer women's contraception experiences. And I think it's great because we've got such a contraception is kind of always talked about in this like cis heterosexual women only way and I think it's great to incorporate other experiences and perspectives on it um and kind of include everyone in the conversation um so I'm excited to see kind of the research that comes out of that as well yeah no these sound fascinating um just to quickly jump back so at the noisy movement we have a campaign called this is not consent Mm -hmm. um and so we've raised money for rape crisis scotland and this what you're doing with these consent workshops is exactly what mm-hmm. like, we are so in awe of what like people who are doing this, um, just because it is so important. And I was kind of wondering, like, so you were a part of this group while this was all happening last year. Did you mm-hmm. find any roadblocks in trying to do this at the university or in trying to do this as like student or youths yourselves? Like, I think um, what came out of the project was this short term working group of kind of different members of the university and the wellbeing team. And then one of our um, our research director last year, Neve, who was fantastic. Um, and I think there were certainly some kind of setbacks in terms of um, people, students perceiving them as like not necessary or um, not adequate. Um, but I think it kind of is great that there has been this relationship with the university to work together and collaborate and kind of listen to students and what they want and 
um, propel our voices as well. Um, so I think it's really exciting to see how kind of the uptake of these are. And I know that Neve is kind of continuing to work on this project. So I'm sure she'll be able to tell you more about kind of about um, how they've been how they've been used and kind of where we can go from here. I think also there were originally some fears that um, people just opt out and taking the in the classes, but we thought that there needed to be an option to opt out, especially if anyone found, found any of the content distressing. I think the research actually found that not not a lot of people would opt out. I think St. An- at St Andrews, and um, there was very few people that that didn't take the classes. So that was not actually. Although it was a concern, it was not actually um, something that maybe needed as prioritising as much. And would these be workshops specifically just for first year students incoming or? Um, Currently, anyone can take them. Oh, amazing. Um, I can send you the link and they kind of are, there's two, there's one on um, active, being an active bystander and there's Mm. one called Consent Matters Um, and potentially one on tackling diversity although I'm not 100% sure I'd have to check that um but they're open to anyone I think the idea is that they would eventually become um become kind of part of your matriculation process Mm. um or potentially something that would kind of not just be a point of entry but kind of something that you'd kind of go back to throughout your university career um but I'd have to check that with Neve I'm afraid yeah no that's fantastic um we'll make sure to to link that in the description to this um and then the other project you were mentioning that was really fascinating was um, research on contraception, but for like queer women mm-hmm. and for like, people regardless of their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, what? How do you go about something like that or a research project in it? Just because mm-hmm. I feel like so many activist groups, it's more reactionary and mm-hmm. more about organizing after the fact, mm-hmm. where so much of what you're doing is proactive and researching what's going on right now to then find solutions. Completely. And I think that's a central tenet of, of CERT and that we want to make change that's kind of backed on research, um, obviously because we're a policy group. Um, and I think that is something that we're proud and that we give our autonomy to the researchers. Um, and we've just got a, fanta- a, a fantastic um, new research team who are going to be starting their research this week, actually. Um, and um, kind of give them the autonomy they want to kind of go out and, and speak to people. I think a lot of them kind of have the lived experience as well of being a queer woman um, or a, like a queer person. And I think that um, kind of using literature reviews, secondary data analysis combined with primary data analysis um, can kind of shine a light on this kind of under-researched um, aspect of contraceptive use. Yeah, I think contraceptive use should be um, something that's research and, and be, being exclu- exclusive, um, inclusive, sorry. And I think um, one of um, CERT's main principles is improving contraceptive, contraceptive use for everyone. I think it's um, really important that we look into um, how everyone is experiencing contraceptive use. Yeah, definitely. And so it sounds like a lot of these research projects are on what exactly people have access to mm-hmm. and then figuring out what what can be done and how to get things to everyone. Um, another aspect of that I wanted to ask you about was the destigmatization of needing contraception. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, a lot of people do feel quite embarrassed visiting a sexual health clinic even now, regardless of their sexuality or regardless of their place in life. And so 
I was just wondering if you wanted um, to speak on that in terms of that destigmatization and if there's anything you're trying to do as a group regarding that. I think our outreach team are really fantastic at this. So they're in charge of all of our social media um, and they're currently doing a series um, called What I Wish I Had Known. And it's looking at kind of different contraceptive methods and trying to kind of offer information in a really impartial way, um, kind of free of judgment. Um, and also ensuring that um, we're being inclusive, we're being um, we're being kind of open to the idea that contraception is not a destination, it's a journey, and your, your contraceptive choice may change over time, and that's completely natural, just as equally as your contraceptive method may not work for someone else, and it's a very, very individual thing. Um, and I think they do a great job of trying to kind of... Um, inform people about kind of where to get support but also trying to tackle a stigma that kind of contraception is either a woman's only issue um or that um there should be kind of some shame around it they do a great job of trying to to shed that and i think it's important also to promote um information and knowledge around contraception so users feel empowered to go to GPs or go to sexual health clinics um, and kind of talk about contraception that they think will work for them. And I think that knowledge is really important in order to make choices that are best for the individual. Yeah, no, I completely agree. One of the other things I found um, while we were researching everything that you do was um, in a lot of situations, specifically for um, women, then people are found to like be only given the pill as their form of contraception or there are very few options that are given to them as like a feasible option for something that they can use. And so it's just, it's so important to be giving out that information to people because they may not necessarily be getting it at the clinics mm-hmm. that they're going to, which is, is so tough. And so, I mean, I know that you are very much policy-based mm-hmm. in your organization. And so have you been able to work with clinics or in any way been able to like collaborate possibly with doctors just because I feel like it's just it's incredibly necessary the work that you're doing but it's Mm -hmm. so sad that it has to come from from you and from Mm -hmm. peers as opposed to medical professionals Mm -hmm. definitely I think um the queer women's project we were just talking about that was born out of um Chalmers stopped providing access to the female condom or the the, um, internal condom and we wanted to kind of establish why this was they they kind of cited like low uptake but we we firmly believe that kind of contraceptive methods should be diverse and available to everyone and so that inspired us to kind of pursue this project um in terms of engaging with stakeholders we do definitely engage with different like medical professionals um, and healthcare professionals and it is something that we are looking to kind of continue working with I think this kind of collaboration between us as a grassroots activist organisation um, who kind of have direct experience and lived experience um, working with kind of policy makers and health boards can kind of bring about a great level of change and kind of a direct conversation which is so so needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as Rebecca was saying, I think it's really important um, that the research comes from young people and and their experiences. And also our research aims to create specific policy recommendations, which we can then um, take to stakeholders or take to government um, to try and improve um, specific areas around contraception use, which I think is really important. Mm, Yeah, so definitely more of like 
a bottom up mm -hmm. grassroots Absolutely. effort. Um, so I really wanted to talk to you both about the stealthing mm -hmm. um, research project and the effort you've made there. Just um, for any listeners who may not be aware, would you mind like defining stealthing, explaining exactly mm -hmm. what is going on and then how you guys have taken on this research project? Absolutely. So stealthing we've defined in our report is um, the non-consensual removal of barrier-method contraception before or during a sexual encounter. Um, and the project kind of arose because we felt that there was no adequate support for people who've experienced stealthing in Scotland. Um, there's no case law, which means that uh, if you were to report stealthing to, say, the police, how they would respond to that is entirely dependent on um, their own biases. There's no kind of legal precedent to say that actually this is a crime and that is completely inadequate. Um, and so we wanted to change that, which is kind of how the project was born. Amazing. So so is it a, an ongoing research project or...? Uh, so our research took place between November and May this year. It was mm. published a couple of months ago on our website. Um, and it was the first research of its kind in the UK, which is something that we're really proud of. Um, yeah. I think kind of one of the main findings we found out of it was just there's this massive prevalence of stealthing, but there's not enough awareness of it. And then also people who have experienced aren't sure what they can do. Mm. Um, and it's just kind of one of the comments we got most when we were doing this research and through our survey was that thank you for bringing awareness to this topic because people feel that no one was kind of speaking out about it and it was this form of sexual violence that was just going kind of completely under the carpet and not talked about enough. Mm. One of our main findings from our research was the need for an, an explicit piece of legislation which criminalises stealthing um, for a number of reasons but one of them um, as well was just because we, we don't know how prevalent it is because um, there's no because it's not a specific crime there's no marker on databases so we, we have no information about how prevalent it is apart from our survey that we conducted. Um, and so we set up the campaigns team um, to try and implement that recommendation and create legislation in Scotland, which we're really um, excited to see the progress of um, and working with stakeholders and um, members of the government to try and implement that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that sounds phenomenal. I mean, it's... It's not a new phenomenon, but the word itself, and especially the way that you've defined it, mm -hmm. is quite new. And I really like the way that you've defined it in the sense that it has no restrictions on who is involved. It mm -hmm. has no restrictions on the type of act being conducted. It is simply yeah. that action occurring. Um, and so if you are working more on the policy side of it, and mm -hmm. that's what your research is based on, do you have anything that you think that the student community can do? So say someone working at another organization is listening to this and something that you think they could do um, to either support your campaign or amplify the situation? Because it sounds like it just needs more awareness. Mm. Completely. Um, I think our campaign is going to launch in January, which is incredibly exciting. Um, and obviously we'll kind of be all hands on deck from there. Um, so kind of definitely keep your eyes peeled. But I think more generally... I think the way that we kind of tackle sex stealthing and, and other forms of sexual violence is through talking about it. Um, I think it's not something that we need to, that we should shy away from. It's something that kind of goes so swept under the carpet 
And that is just such a disservice to people who've experienced it and also just allows perpetrators to go on unchallenged. I think what we need is to kind of open this conversation. And I know that our starting paper has ignited conversations like like this one. Um, And I think that that is kind of helping to bring awareness to it. Um, And I hope that kind of other student organisations as well kind of will continue to talk about it and and bring it up with, with their own peers as well. Definitely, we found that there was um, a lack of awareness and there were some things like uh, the TV show I May Destroy You, which people reference. I think after that, it kind of opened a conversation about stealthing. But I think that conversation needs to continue um, and we need to treat it as, as any form of like sexual violence um, because sometimes um, those that experience it feel like they um, haven't experienced an assault in the same way because it's kind of treated differently. Um, so I think definitely an ongoing conversation is needed. Yeah, certainly. And then, so in the research that you do, and specifically with the Stealthing Project, have you found, I think it could be quite hard to see if you've had any backlash regarding it, Mm -hmm. Um, but if you have anything to say on that. Definitely. Um, So one of the kind of research methods we used was this survey, and we wanted to get a a proportion of the population um, that wasn't just kind of Edinburgh University students. Mm. Um, So we advertised it through Facebook, a kind of adjusting for demographics. Um, And we received a lot of um, really horrible comments. I think one person wrote that stealthing was good because it increased the population of Scotland, which was was needed. Um, And I think it was just so demoralising to see kind of all of this hard work we're doing and just this blatant disregard and and even worse um that we're receiving and it's like how do we how do we challenge these attitudes um that are clearly so prevalent and i think another thing that was um highlighted quite a lot in our research or as a form of opposition was the idea of other other forms of contraceptive dishonesty for example someone lying about taking the pill um and as, uh, as an organisation, we think any form of contraceptive dishonesty is wrong. Um, but our, our research was focused on barrier methods of contraception and stealthing as a, um, a form of sexual violence. Um, so I think there was opposition kind of just from a point of misunderstanding, but we weren't um, against other forms of contraceptive dishonesty, which we, we, we definitely are. Um, but our research was just taking a narrow focus around barrier methods. Mm. And that being said, I think generally we had such an outpouring of support and and um people wanting to get involved which is fantastic and i think that that always outweighs the kind of the few negative comments that you get yeah no and i can imagine i mean i know on your social media and everything a lot of what you do are these like really phenomenal graphics with great colors and really like important color schemes which um is so important in order to just get information out there mm-hmm. I mean catching someone's eye is really really big but then of course putting things on social media you will get backlash and you mm-hmm. will get those kind of comments um another possible um not not roadblock but hurdle mm-hmm. I can also imagine is that in doing research like this you were mentioning having to change based on demographics or having to pivot it in order to include as many people as mm-hmm. possible so have you had any sort of larger trends in terms of people whose voices aren't being heard um, specifically in your surveys or do you take specific measures to try to make sure that more people are heard? There definitely were. Um, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember them all, but I think specifically within kind of the queer community, we know that starting happens a lot and mm. we would have liked to have conducted a bit more 
researched or found a bit more about that because as you said earlier it's definitely not something that happens to cis women alone it happens to kind of um all genders all different types of people um and um and yeah it's something that kind of um doesn't have a limit doesn't have a, an identity of what a stealthing victim does look like and i think that that is a really important kind of area to pivot the research as we move forward and to kind of pursue that further yeah certainly um so i i was gonna start wrapping up but i wanted to ask a bit more about so we created this podcast specifically for the 16 days of activism combating gender-based violence Mm -hmm. and i was wondering if you could speak on specifically why your group would fall within that because what we're trying to display here is that there are so many different forms of activism that fall Mm -hmm. under this one umbrella and there's so many different forms it can take Mm -hmm. um and we'd love to just hear about how you see yourself fitting into this narrative and fitting into this activism Mm -hmm. um absolutely so i think First of all, stealthing, as I've as I've said before, as you've kind of discussed, it doesn't just happen to women, but it does form into the kind of narrative of or the umbrella of gender-based violence because it kind of also coexists along other forms of um, gender-based violence, such as abuse, um, other experiences of assault. Um, but kind of with our work with contraception more generally, I think that it's very important because um, things like um, contraceptive um like a violation of contraceptive autonomy, forcing someone to take contraception, forcing someone not to take contraception, those are also forms of, of gender-based violence. Um, and I think it's such a large umbrella. Um, and obviously we have a very niche focus as a contraceptive policy group, but I think that our work in hopefully empowering people to make contraceptive choices that are, are good for them um, and, a good, and a right fit um, can kind of help to kind of destigmatize that element and also um kind of tackle gender-based violence and tear it down kind of piece by piece mm-hmm. yeah and um like you were saying i think all our research aims to create policies that we can then lobby um either stakeholders or the government um and so our our organization involves like activism from lots of different um categories and from different projects but i think um, for this year, our biggest project will be the selfing campaign um, mm-hmm. that will hopefully be launched in January. Um, and I think that's a really important um, campaign to get behind this, this semester or next semester. Yeah, certainly. Um, and so I know you just touched on um, the stealthing campaign mm-hmm. coming out so soon, but is there anything else that you would like to signpost or that you would like people to know about? Is there any way they could get involved with what you do? Um, amplify what you do mm-hmm. if they don't have uh, the ability to get involved one on one in that way. Hundred percent. So I think um, if anyone is interested in kind of reading the more technical side of the stealthing paper, um, and it's very um, very comprehensive, um, then that's available on our website, which is certscotland.com. We've also got um, a couple other research papers up there as well, um, and I think our social media is all at Cert Scotland and that is a great place to kind of reach out to us get in touch send us a DM but also kind of amplify the work that we're doing um, and all of our campaign updates will be on there definitely I think if anyone has any issue around contraception use that they think we should research or they think we should pay more attention on they can always get in touch on our social medias and we're always looking for future research projects and ideas 
hundred percent. Our last thing I want to mention is that um, we have a resources page on our website, which is Search Scotland forward slash resources for anyone um, looking to kind of access contraception or sexual health um, information in Scotland, um, and also for anyone who's affected by the issues we've discussed. Yeah, phenomenal. Um, yeah, because it sounds like because you're able to have these research projects, you can have a wide scope of mm-hmm. issues that you truly, truly delve into. Um, yeah, so thank you both so much for being here with me today and for speaking about everything that you do. This has been so, so informative. Um, yeah, so thank, thank you so you. much for having us, Jocelyn. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, of course. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Kate. Um, and thank you to all the listeners. I will put all of the links into the description of this, of all of the amazing work that they're doing. And please do check out all their work on social media to be able to amplify our voices. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.